0: you're listening to atomic moms i'm ellie Noss, and each week we celebrate and commiserate with world-class experts best-selling authors and parents around the world don't forget to rate review and subscribe on your favorite podcast app why hello episode 225 this fall we're celebrating our five-year anniversary and this episode is kicking off our sixth season of the podcast We're experiencing back-to-school mania over here. I'm putting Mabel's labels on everything. I'm determined not to lose all our leaky water bottles this year to bring new listeners up to speed. Well, first of all, hello. Thank you for finding us. My daughter, Sabrina, is going into kindergarten at a new school, and Eliza, our two-year-old, is heading to preschool in Los Angeles. I know. It's just like this most quintessential place to raise a family. (laughs) That clip from Clueless is literally me every day on the way to school pickup. Anyways, like many of you with young children, I work from home and from coffee shops and sometimes parking lots, and I'm looking forward to some quiet time when both my children are away at school. I'll be able to record the podcast without embarrassing BBC kid bursting in moments. This is on and on, my friends. Some people started singing it, not knowing what it was, because, but they... But let's still start Okay, Sabrina. Of the song that never ends. Oh, yeah. Sabrina's Sabrina. Sabrina. Wow. I'm away from her for two minutes. I forget her name. Sabrina is trying so hard to be a series regular on the podcast. And while I hold out hope that once school starts, I can get to work uninterrupted, I also know that the back-to-school transition requires a lot of effort on the parent front. We have to get these kids fed and out the door at an ungodly hour, and they can't be naked. Which, by the way, the naked thing has been so good with potty training. <laughs> okay, Eliza's got to start wearing pants. And no matter your childcare situation, you get to pick up the pieces in the evening when they need to vent. I want to know how to transition my children with as little chaos and drama as possible. So in our first call in this episode, I have Dr. Natasha Beck, a.k.a. Dr. Organic Mommy. She's going to walk us through the system she has in place for her own young family and what a non-chaotic day could look like at our house if we make simple but deliberate changes in our routine. We tackle everything from getting to school on time to mastering the school lunch to transitioning into the late afternoon without backpacks and shoes all over the floor, and she also offers techniques for soothing that after-school attitude. She has excellent advice you can start implementing today, and I treat it like a free-for-all. I even throw in a listener question about how a mother can find more patience with her three-year-old now that she's exhausted from a newborn, because honestly, who doesn't hope for a little more patience during major transitions? For those of you simultaneously surviving multiple transitions like back to school and a newborn, extra credit for you. And then I share a parent-teacher conference with Jennifer Hunt. She's a second-generation early childhood educator. And Jen shares with me how the heck she gets all those little kids to actually listen to her, what advice she has for parents who have a child heading to a new school, what it's like having her own toddler start preschool. I also ask her how she might approach a teacher to be an ally, you know, if any of us might be having some behavioral issues at home. And we offer separation anxiety and back-to-school books that you'll want to add to your bedtime reading. First, we're going to call Dr. Organic Mommy, Natasha Beck. She's a mom of three young children. She has a doctorate in clinical psychology, specializing in pediatric neuropsychology. She has a master's in public health and a BA in neuroscience and psychology. We'll be right back. Hi, Natasha. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Before we get into the back to school thing, can you explain what it means to specialize in pediatric neuropsychology?
1: Sure. I do testing on kids who have learning disabilities, learning challenges, have difficulties with attention, behavioral issues, any kind of developmental problems. And that kind of ranges from you know, autism, to cerebral palsy, to ADHD, to kids who are gifted, and all of the ones in between.
0: Amazing. Okay. So I asked you to come on the podcast, because I felt like there would be no one better to give us some, I don't want to say hacks, because they're really thoughtful, <laughs> <laughs> conscious choices that we can make in our back to school transition for listeners. We are heading into school next week. I know a lot of listeners just went back and I don't think I'm alone in saying that this is a really chaotic time for families. It definitely is. It's like everyone's all camped out. Uh, you know, a lot of kids have been staying up a lot later than they're used to. There have been travels. Um, It feels like work is piling up. We're all kind of excited and anxious about our children being gone so many hours during the day. So I was hoping you could talk to us about your back-to-school routine with your children. How far in advance do you prep your kids with bedtime? Because I'm assuming that the timing changes at your household as well with getting the kids to bed because they're going to have to get up so much earlier.
1: Correct. You want to try and do it in as far as advanced as you can, at least a week or two for kids, just because predictability and stability is so key for kids. And also once the child is back into a good routine, it really helps calm you down as a parent or caregiver uh, because it makes you less anxious. So getting your child back into a routine where you have the same kind of time Getting down to bed, getting up, having the same snack time, the same meal time, kind of having like a good rhythm to your day just to kind of get them prepared for going back to school is really important.
0: And so what time do you personally wake up now with the back to school transition?
1: So with back to school transition, I wake up anywhere between 5.15 and 5.30 in the morning. I like to personally wake up before my kids are up. So I pack lunches in the morning. Some p- parents like to pack lunches at night. I think it depends on what kind of person you are. I am not a night owl. I'm more of a morning person. So if you are better at going, uh, staying up at night, I would pack your lunch, your kids' lunches at night, have them prepped and ready to go. Anything that doesn't hold well, you can just throw in in the morning and um, get it done that way. And for me, how I do it is I actually pump for my youngest and give her a bottle in the morning. And that way I can get everything done. And when I'm, prepping uh, breakfast. I have it prepped and then I go and pump. Then I come and my kids come. My older two are down in the kitchen and I give them breakfast and then I'll prep lunch at the same time. And then I will give my youngest a bottle at that point. She's usually a little bit later to rise. And so that helps. Uh, And the other tips that I have, I keep their clothes down in the kitchen. So I'm not racing back and forth. I also have a toothbrush and toothpaste for each of my kids down in the kitchen at the sink so that I can have them brush their teeth right there, right when they're done eating breakfast. And then I have things to go right by the door or I'll put it in the car the night before, depending on how prepped I am. But that's an ideal is to have everything ready to go in the car, like if they have required bedding at school or if they require extra clothes or anything like that.
0: My almost six-year-old Sabrina, she needs to pick out her outfit herself. And so we'll try to do it the night before. But then, of course, there's always a wardrobe change in the morning. Like She decides it has to be a different thing. Do you have any suggestions for tackling the indecisive but strongly opinionated dresser?
1: (laughs) Right. Uh, So I get that. So what I usually try to do is, because I've got one of those, uh, have them... Give uh, have two outfits where they can pick and I have them bring it down and they can pick out one of those two outfits and it depends if like things are going easy in the morning and they really want to go upstairs and go change I'm fine with that because it's less of a battle and if they can get themselves dressed which at six you should be able to mm-hmm. they can go change and that's fine while you're dealing with the other kids but if you're in a rush you can say We can save that outfit for tomorrow, but today you have the clothes that you have down here. Otherwise, we will be late to school, and I know you really don't like being late to school, and hopefully they have an example or you have an instance where they were late to school and they missed recess or missed, you know, talking to their friends or whatnot, so you can kind of help um, remind them of that.
0: It sounds so calm. It's, like,
1: so calming and, like, (laughs) yeah,
0: and persuasive.
1: So if you're calm, your kids tend to be calm. And yeah, it's hard if you're rushing, but realize what's the end of the world if you're late, like if you're a few minutes late, if you actually calm down and take the time to kind of get on the level of your child and where they're at, it takes less time than getting into that battle of back and forth with them. Mm -hmm. And so just squatting down and say, help me understand where you're coming from. You know, that's like a line that I always like to use, you know, with your older ones, of course, not Mm -hmm. with your toddlers or preschoolers.
0: Help me understand where you're coming from, or help me understand what you need, or what what do you need, you know? And then the, the other thing about you saying it so calmly, the reminder it was also that you it didn't have that like shellacking of passive aggression that can happen when you're, when a parent is sure. frustrated in the morning, like that, like well, and you don't like to be late. <laughs> it was it was nice to hear it modeled. I appreciate it. Yeah. Cause if you,
1: the threats <laughs> don't work. And we've all been there, you know, we've all been there where we're threatening them and saying like, if you don't get in the car right now, we're going to never make it to school. And then I'm not going to be able to do this. And you can't do that. It just doesn't work. You no. know, it may work the first time, you know, and then it just, it becomes this battle. Mm-hmm. So if you take away the anger and just say, all right, I need to help you and I need you to help me. So what can I do to help you? You know, um, or if it's a battle of like, okay, she doesn't want to get her shoes on, model it for her. Say, oh, we're getting our shoes on together. I'm putting on my shoes. Where are your shoes? Mm -hmm. Or, hmm, like, who's putting your shoes on? You know, (laughs) kind of making it into like somewhat of a game and you guys all do it together. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. So next landmine, sunscreen. Which sunscreens do you use for your family and how do you get it on them before they go to school?
1: So sunscreen is a tough topic. Um, I there's definitely good, better sunscreens out there than others. So I have a post on that on my page. I'm talking about the different toxins in sunscreens and which ones and which brands I like. Um, And the ones that I do like are um, the uh, Goddess Garden, Blue Lizard Sun, and Badger Balm. Goddess Garden has a spray that doesn't have any aerosol in it, so that's an easier one to use. You know, I got that one and I it did
0: not totally work for my little one, um, who's two. But we were also at the beach a lot. But Badger has been incredible for our family.
1: So yeah, you have to like do trial and error. And then the thing with the sunblocks that are cleaner, you do have to reapply uh, more often. And if you are going to be in, you know, places where there's more direct sunlight, I like the thicker ones, which uh, include Badger. The sprays, I only recommend if you're going to be out in light sunlight and you just want to have like a thin layer on, but they do need to be reapplied after 80 minutes.
0: Yep. I think that's where we <laughs> might have missed it. Yeah. Badger has a great version that is transparent, the zinc. So it's real. It really is clear. I mean, they look like greasy little aliens, but at least they're not white. Um, okay. And then how do you put it on them or how do you get them to put it on?
1: Sure. So I have them put it on me at the same time because I need sunblock. So when I'm going out, that's one of the ways I do it is while they're putting it on me, I put it on them. And then there's another company called Project Roll-On, which is a fun way to get kids to put sunscreen on. It's basically like a smoother roll-on that is not chemically based. It has uh, minerals, um, which is what you want to look for in uh, a sunscreen and they have more fun rolling it on and tend to enjoy that better.
0: And one of the reasons I had to reach out to you is I went down a rabbit hole this summer with your school lunch posts. And I even made a Trello board with some of your posts so I could remember them easily. And for listeners who don't use Trello, it's my new obsession. It's it's basically a I also it, don't know what that is. Oh either. my god, you're going to love it. Okay, so <laughs> basically you it's <laughs> it's free. You can make boards of any topic. So I made one for school lunch options and then I dragged the pictures that you had as examples and then I put the ingredients and stuff below it just so I could quickly look oh, wow. on my on a visual board online, but I also use it with you know, all of the administrative tasks that go into parenting children that are going back to school, like hmm. any, you know, what the bus schedule is, what, you know, all these things that I need to be able to grab easily. Uh, my email is really overloaded. And this has just been a great visual way of like moving things around and also with tasks. But Sounds great. Google Trello, I'm sure that there's great videos of different ways of using it. People use it all the time for work as well. But I was geeking out about your Planet Box lunches, and so I ordered one. Actually, I ended up ordering four because I wanted two that could go to the school while the other two I could fill up with their lunch without having to wash them immediately when we came home. Right, right. And just having those little spaces for different types of food, even just the summer with camp and stuff, it's been so much easier for me to strategize their lunch and like give them options. You know, you're like, okay, put five different things in a kid's lunch, but there's something about having to fill those little
1: compartments definitely helps. Why? But, <laughs> yeah. That? Well, it just makes it a little bit more visually pleasing and uh, um, it helps you, like you said, strategize. And one of the reasons I also love the Planet Box is that it is stainless steel and it's made out of 1810 grade stainless steel which is one of the best out there. And so you're not having any plastic in your lunchbox. So there's no leaching of any toxic materials in there. And so you can be rest assured that your child is having a nice healthy lunchbox. Um that said, Planet Box does not um is not, it is not leak proof. So be aware that if you're putting anything kind of like yogurty, saucy um things in there, they do have containers that go into the lunchbox. Uh, that you can do that have like a silicone toss that you can put on. So that way it becomes leak proof, but you don't want to put anything liquid like soup in there. Like, and it doesn't keep your lunchbox hot, but I am of the mindset that my children are used to having a cold lunchbox and that's okay with me. That's what we grew up with. We didn't have all these fancy mechanisms uh, to heat our lunchbox. And that's how my kids are okay with that. So going back to your thing about like how to kind of strategize your lunchbox, what I like to do is, Have one section that's a fruit section, one section that's a veggie, and I love to add a dip because I think dips are just an inviting way to teach your child and get your child excited about their lunch because it's more interactive, whether it's a hummus or a, and you can make different kinds of hummus. You can just buy store-bought hummus and throw in some steamed beets, so it becomes like a beet hummus, and it's pink, or you can throw in some roasted peppers, and it's a pepper hummus, or you can, you know, mash up of an avocado, add a little bit of lime, which helps it from turning brown, a dash of uh, pink salt, and then there's like a little guacamole. So there's a number of different dips that you can kind of do. And then I'll add in either some kind of cracker or um, some kind of fun, you know, uh, dried good in there as well. And then plus their main dish. And then I have an assortment of main dishes kind of that I choose from.
0: And then when you pick your kids up from school and you're heading home, I saw you had a caption that I loved about how you talk to your children before you get out of the car and go into the house. Can you give us a little bit of what you say to them?
1: Sure. So there's a, there's actually two posts on that. So one of which, when you get in the car and you pick your kids up, I do not ask them how their day was. That's the first thing I n- will never ask a child Most of the time, children need to have time to kind of process their day and think about it. And sometimes kids, you'll think, oh, they're stalling at nighttime because all of a sudden they want to tell me what happened at school. But in reality, most of the time they're not actually stalling. They just finally went through what happened at school and they kind of need some, some closure. So if your child is one of those kids, what you want to do is move your bedtime routine earlier by like 15 minutes. you can go through what happened at school and the way I like to model that is to say well this is what I did today after I dropped you off at school I went here it really made me happy or I got upset because you know someone took my parking spot or whatever it may be so that way you show a range of emotions um, to your child throughout the day and what you did and then that way you model it for them and they can do the same and then as far as before you get out of the car when you pick them up so on the way home, when I'm about five minutes away from home, I remind them. So when we get out of the car, I remind them, we take off our shoes. Where do we put our shoes? They, pick, they take them off out the door. Then they carry them to the basket. And they put them back in the basket. Where do we put our lunchbox? And then we kind of go over those rules. And then I have them repeat it. And then we agree to it. And we have that agreement. So that way, if there is any difficulty when we do get out of the car, we, I can just remind them, remember our agreement. And what are we going to do after we're done doing all these things? We're going to go outside and play or we're going to, you know, do an arts and crafts activity or whatever that may be.
0: That because I was going to ask, like, what do you do if the kid doesn't agree? And yet you just answered that for (laughs) me. They will agree if there's something else fun in their future.
1: (laughs) Right. So I always like to prepare for that. You know, sometimes if I have time, I have I try to have an activity set up at home And if it's rainy outside, I'll throw on like a roll of paper over the breakfast room table and I'll tape it down and I'll set up a few things to kind of like entice them over there. Um, Either like a set of thing of beads or some glue or like um, take some painter's tape and I like make little squares on the table and like with some crayons. And so they can kind of go to town with that, which is just an easy way to have an activity set up that they can do while you're like prepping dinner or whatnot.
0: Do you have any suggestions for keeping our stuff fun and new again? Because I'm thinking about all these kids that have spent all summer at home. I don't know. We get like playroom fatigue or something. How do you keep sure, these sure. things from just being like blah? Like I've I find myself buying more junk because it seems new and fun and exciting when there's so much stuff they already have, but it's just not exciting because they see it on the shelf every day?
1: Great question. So I actually do something where I do uh, play toy rotations and I even switched up with friends. So I go through, I try to do it every month um, or when I see that my children just aren't playing with certain things in their play area, I will rotate them and I'll clear out the entire play area and then just bring the things out just a few at a time, like even like five, to 10 things depending on the child's age um, and then I will loan some of my toys to my friends and then once we switch back I switch the toys over again so if you don't have a bunch of storage you know you switch it with your friends and you you kind of do this exchange or you just put it away in a closet and you rotate those toys um, because toys can be new when you put them and set them out in a different way. Um, especially if there's just too much in an area, Mm -hmm. if you have too many toys, it becomes really overwhelming. It's the same thing as, you know, you walk into like a clothing store for me and like there's so much out there. You become overwhelmed by it and you'd rather just go online where it's just really simply categorized and all organized for you. And you can just go and, oh, here are the dresses, here, Mm -hmm. here are the tops, you know? And so if you have like a basket of blocks, you know, a kitchen set with, you know, a few food items, and, you know, some like little Grimm's Rainbow toys that are just set out. You just have a few things that can help create um, and foster a place for their creativity um, by just setting it up for them.
0: And then in closing out, like, are there any new responsibilities that you add at the beginning of school year or do you let kids kind of get their groove before you add anything. Cause I want to just be like, it's the start of school and this is going to, it's like when I was a child and I was like, okay, it's August. Like this was always my new year's, uh, like right. time. Like it was like, I'm going to be a whole new person this year. I got my new outfits at target and this is going to be my routine. And I'm like finding myself doing this to my children where I'm like, this is going to, <laughs> she's going to kindergarten now. Like she's definitely going to make that bed before she leaves. Like, what do you suggest in terms of like adding responsibilities to our children's plates?
1: That's a great suggestion. A uh, great question. So what I suggest is trying to do it before school starts, if that's possible, and explaining to them, like, oh, my gosh, can you believe it? You are so much older now and so much bigger. There's so many more things you can actually do. Like now, you know, my five-year-old, I've explained to him, he's taller now and he can actually wash the dishes. And I explained to my three-year-old, you're not quite old enough yet, but you can bring the dishes to him and he can wash them and then you can help dry them. And it's all, and I try to use the word may. Like you may do this um, just because if you do use the word can, like they always have the option of saying no. Um, But so when I'm in the moment, I'll say you may, and I'll say to my three-year-old, you may bring the dishes to the counter. And then I say to my five-year-old, you may begin washing them because now you're old enough and you're strong enough to do it. Um, And then my three-year-old becomes so excited about it. When can I wash it? And I say, soon, soon you're going to be able to. And so she's so excited for the day that she gets to. Um, Obviously, there's days where, you know, you have the whining and they don't want to. Um, And um, I have some posts written about that on kids and responsibilities um, and why I call it responsibilities versus chores. And I kind of write out different types of responsibilities based on your child's age um, and what they're capable of doing. So you asked about your five-year-old and uh, making the bed. They're definitely capable of doing that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if they're struggling in the morning, I just actually will set them. I'll get them up earlier. And take the time to kind of let them get out of bed and um, help them do it. And what one of the things I'd like to do with younger kids uh, around starting around three. I love these uh, play silks by Sarah Silks and I show them how to fold it and then they roll it. And we sing a little song and we go roly-poly, roly-poly, ever so slowly. And so they're learning how to fold and roll things and to put it um, away. And so I kind of have them do that first, like in their crib when they have their little blankie. And then when they switch into their bed, it becomes more part of their routine before they get out of their bed.
0: So good. Okay, well, one last qu- question. It's from a listener, Alice in the UK. and. She asks, do you have any wisdom for me on dealing with the transition from one to two? I planned on being extra patient with my firstborn, but I'm so irritated by normal three-year-old behavior now.
1: That's a, that's a big question. Um, so in terms of going from one child to two, chi- uh, two children, I think it's all about preparation. Like the more prepared you are, the less anxious and frustrated you'll be. And obviously, sleep plays a role in that. So I always try to advise parents and caregivers if they can get as much sleep as possible. You tend to be more patient. Obviously, that's sometimes a dream. Um, But if you can snag in a nap, that always helps. Uh, But, you know, preparing So like things that I like to do is um, I'll make I'll take these wide mouth mason jars and I'll fill them up with all the ingredients for like a smoothie that I have and I will throw them in the freezer. And so when I come down in the morning, I take it out of the freezer let it um, kind of defrost for about 10 minutes. I can dump it into a blender, throw in like my, you know, milk of choice. I do a plant-based milk, a scoop of nut butter or seed butter or whatever, blend it up, throw it into like one of my glass little jars with a silicone sleeve and give it to my child. And then breakfast is ready. So it's I have one of those if I need to, if I'm running late or if I'm just exhausted, I can do that. And that's one of my little hacks for, I just don't have time to make, like one of these healthy, crazy breakfasts, but I can do that really quickly, you know, and keeping the shoes by the door and, you know, just having things in place when you have more than one child, you have to have systems. Um, If you have your system and your routine and you start them young, then it all falls into place. And then you can have your days where you just are off days. But if you have them for the most part, if your child's in that routine, they're good.
2: And the way I kind of explain it
1: is, Like if you're in a room with a bunch of different instruments and you have all these kids playing instruments and they're all kind of out of whack and out of tune, you as the parent need to keep the rhythm. And if you keep the rhythm, they can join back in. But the second you're out of rhythm and you're out of sorts, they will fall out of it, too. So as long as you're keeping that rhythm, they'll stay in.
0: And now it's time for an Atomic Moms parent-teacher conference. I'm clearly wishing I had a reality show because we're speaking with Sabrina's teacher from last year. (laughs) Jennifer Hunt has over 10 years of teaching experience in both public and private schools. She received a BS from Bridgewater State University as well as an advanced certificate in early childhood education from UCLA. Each day in the classroom allows her to see the world through the eyes of her students and gives her immense hope for the future along with teaching the other loves of her life are her husband and her two-year-old daughter. Isn't that a sweet bio? Ugh, I'm excited for y'all to meet Jen. Okay, we're going to be right back with Jennifer Hunt, preschool teacher extraordinaire.
2: So, Jen, how did you become a preschool teacher? So, my mom actually has her own preschool in Boston, and it's just always kind of been part of who I am like I've always been around preschools I've always been around kids and I went to college and I thought that I wasn't going to do it even though all throughout college I would substitute teach and was a camp counselor and I was just I kept thinking like oh I'm not going to do this I'm going to move on and do something else and when I moved to LA and I was looking for a job it was the it was like of course I'm going to do this. This is where I need to be. I'm in the classroom and i started my first job in Los Angeles and it just felt right and it was it was the perfect place for me to be and then I went to the school that I'm at now and I remember walking through the doors and being there and feeling like I was walking into the secret garden and thinking, "Oh, I want my kid to go to school here someday." My theoretical child because I did not have a child at that point. And um, I'm going to retire here. This is going to be great. And so it's that's kind of like what happened for me.
0: Well, you have a few decades, like five yes, more decades before you retire. <laughs> and I think pretty sure you just had your 30th birthday. I did. I did just have my 30th
2: birthday. I feel like an old soul. I feel like I feel like I, I've been 30 for like the past 10 years. So I'm just finally my age is catching up to like who I am as a human.
0: It's like actors when they finally hit that age that everyone thinks that they should be and then they start getting <laughs> cast a lot. When a new group of children arrive in your classroom, since this is the back to school episode, how do you set the stage for what the year will feel like in your particular classroom?
2: Well, for me, it's it's a, a big goodbye, you know, in June and and seeing these these little humans who are just have grown so much so when we start over it's cleaning out the classroom it's putting up you know new things and and really trying to make it a kind of a new space looking over everything that we've done and putting in new projects that you know we could grow on what we've done the past year and then when we meet the kids we really get to know who they are and see what they want and and how we can help them because each year you get such a different group and each year is so special and wonderful and such amazing growth for the kids and for me as a teacher and for my co-teachers it's every year is a, is different and every year is super special it's really interesting
0: i'm wondering if you have any books that you might be able to suggest for our listeners about the transitioning back to school?
2: There's a book for everything and they are so useful and wonderful. Um, With the transitioning, I feel an oldie but a goodie is The Kissing Hand. It's really sweet and it offers you a tool so, that you can actually kiss the, your child's palm of their hand and they can hold that kiss all day long if they need it. The King of Kindergarten is a great book. It's a little bit newer and it really helps the child build confidence and know they can do it and they're gonna be, you know, the quote unquote king of kindergarten. It's really, really cute. Uh, and you can look, there are so many amazing books. And you can look at one that really tailors to who your child is. A place that I always go when I need a book is this blog called Books That Heal Kids. You can just Google it and they have categories for everything. It's so amazing. And if your child is having an exceptionally hard time and they're, you can really feel that they're very anxious about what's going to happen... Something that I recommend doing is making your own social story, going on, like, a Snapfish or even, like, CVS and making a photo book. And you can just make it super, super simple of, like, this is me, picture of the child. This is my mom. This is my dad. My mom is a blank or my dad does this during the day and I'm going to start going to school and putting a picture of like the school or your child's teacher and I'm going to have so much fun and at the end of the day I'm going to come home and see my mom and dad again just a very like easy book put pictures of you know the real people you can it's something they can keep with them they can hold on to it they can read it beforehand And if your child has like maybe a lovey or something special, you can always throw it in the backpack and just say like, your friend is here to give you a little hug or for you to cuddle with during hard times throughout the day.
0: Do you have any advice for parents of the new kid? Because I went to a new school starting in sixth grade. It was a K through 12. And I feel like I'm still recovering from being the new kid.
2: Oh, so I think we forget that Sometimes the children really feed off of our energy and they can tell when you're having a hard time. Whether your child's entering school for the first time or whether they're the new kid, so to speak, if you're very anxious about it, they're going to feed into that and it's going to magnify their anxiety for sure. So if you have a, the new kid, um, or you've just, you know, moved to a new area, you've used to schools. I think as a parent, you really need to kind of go the extra mile at first and and let your teacher know, hey, I'm a little worried about this. You know, maybe your child's shy or I'm worried that they're going to have a hard time integrating into this class. Can you please help them maybe make a friend or see who they're playing with and let me know so I can make play dates? So I can reach out to the parents and see, you know, what their extracurricular stuff is. And doing that, letting your teacher know ahead of time that you're feeling a little worried without letting your child see how, like, how nervous or upset you are. It, number one, helps your teacher help you because they know, oh, I, this parent is already concerned. I'm going to go. And if I see, like, this friend... Maybe your child's not playing with this person, but your child really likes dinosaurs, and you happen to know so-and-so also likes dinosaurs. They can let you know, and you can reach out to that person's parent and decide to make a play date with them. I think it, it, it's hard, but you do a little bit of extra work, and you realize, you know, the reasons that you moved them to a different school or why you moved to a new city, and just really try and become part of, of their community, You know, there's always little communities within every school.
0: Speaking of community, you know, this past year, because of your class, Sabrina's become much more socially conscious on a global scale. Um, Yeah, this is the moment of the podcast where I brag about my kid. Every weekend, she wants to pick up litter. Yesterday, we were in the Trader Joe's parking lot, and she thought it was a candy wrapper, and I think she was really hoping there was still candy in it and that she could have it. So she asked if she could, and I was like, do not touch that. (sighs) You all know what it was. Anyway, yeah, she's also very concerned about the polar bear extinction and these other bigger world issues. And I'm wondering with this age group, how do you teach them these things and also keep them from completely obsessing about it?
2: This is hard. This is a thing that it's you need to find the balance because this is going to be their world. So they're inheriting it from us and they have a right to know about what's going on. But of course, you don't want them to be scared or to obsess over it. So I think you need to decide what you as a parent want to let them know. And I'm sure they're going to find stuff out in school because it's everywhere. I'm only
0: halfway through the second season of Big Little Lies, but there's a whole scene where the kindergartner has an anxiety attack and has to go to the hospital because they're talking about, I think, global warming
1: What possesses two idiots like yourselves to teach eight-year-olds that the planet is doomed? The children are constantly bombarded with climate change. It is all over the news. It's our job to deconstruct it so that they can process it. Good for you. You deconstructed my little girl into a coma. Uh,
0: That was my personal hero, Laura Dern, misbehaving on Big Little Lies but to get back to you Jen I feel like your classroom did a really beautiful job of bringing it to the kids attention while also letting them be the children that they are
2: well you need to make them feel safe and and as parents we do that as teachers we try to do that we're always going to do everything we can to protect you but we talk about things that we can do we bring it we make them feel powerful and we lead by example you know Global warming is a huge issue, but things that we can do to combat it are picking up litter and making sure that we recycle. We, in our classroom, we have this huge, um, kind of like everybody's so excited to recycle after lunch. It's like, well, I can recycle this. Can I go and rinse it out? And then I'll put it in the recycling bin. And so we, we started to do that and the kids really have caught on and really, like doing it because in the same way that Sabrina wants to pick up litter, they feel like I am helping my world and I can help the polar bears in this way. And and when you tell them about these things and you're showing them by example, like as a family, you should be recycling and you should be doing all the things that you can to try and show them we're all working together to make this world better And it takes a little bit of the anxiety away because they feel like they're actually doing something to help. And they are.
0: With your new class of DK students, because our preschool does have a summer session, I'm, you know, to now veer into the superficial, I'm curious what's on trend with, uh, you know, the five-year-olds in your world
2: right now. They all love Old Town Road. What's that? Everybody loves that. It's a song. Oh, And they all love it. Every day they come in singing it. They're, like, put on shows outside. They're they're digging it. (laughs) But as for, like, you know, consumer goods, they're very... They're all very sweet. They're still into like the Paw Patrol and they're very, they're very into, um, we were, they requested like maybe like My Little Pony stickers when we were talking about it. They're, they're very, they're very sweet. They, but I would say for sure, the thing that was most surprising to me was how many four and five-year-olds are singing the song Old Town Road. <laughs> it's, they have like a dance to it. It's
0: crazy. Oh, it's so wonderful. Cute. Um, and It's really cute. When I went to read it for the classroom, I was surprised by how easily you were able to get the kids to be quiet. So what do you do?
2: So something, because raising your voice, it just not it doesn't work. It just makes more noise. So for me, something that I think is really fun is getting them to move or sing with me to get their attention. So for the classroom, we'll shut up, we'll turn off the lights and then I can get their attention that way. Or I'll just start singing if you're happy and you know it and everybody will turn to me and also start singing with me. And then we're all clapping our hands and I'll just like gently put a finger to my lip and I'll start talking. And I've gotten everybody's attention because they're in the middle of playing, they start hearing the song And they're like, oh, I know that song. And they'll start singing with me. The other thing I'll do is I'll say things like, if you can hear my words, put a hand in the air. If you can hear my words, put a finger on your nose. I'll give them fun sort of instructions. If you can hear my words, jump up and down three times. And it turns into almost like a game. And if, you know, I can start it really low because maybe only three friends will hear my My words, but then other friends will see them raising their hands and want to join in on the fun. And then by the time I'm done, everybody is focused on me, and I'm able to say what I need to say without raising my voice. Um, Individually, I know, like as a mother, it's very it's hard sometimes. Um, But I then remember, like as a teacher, I maybe I need to sit down for one minute and really listen to what this child has to say because we all have a million things going on, but if, if you, they really need to get out whatever it is they need to say, maybe they don't feel heard. So just taking that minute to s- like get at their level, talk to them, hear them, and if it continues, say, I really do want to hear what you have to say. But we need to get going or I need to let you know something first and then we can continue your conversation, you know, and trying very hard to not, you know, let your your frustration come through. Just letting them like, I do want to hear what you have to say. I just need to tell you these three things so we can accomplish what we need to accomplish.
0: We know that we that our children save a lot of special stuff just for their parents I'm sure that you've had parents over the years come to you and express frustration and a desire for some sort of support or guidance with behavioral issues that might show up at home that don't show up at school. And I'm wondering if you could give all of us sort of a pep talk in that department.
2: I think it's totally normal for there to be some differences in how we act at home versus how we act at school. And I think it's really smart to reach out to your child's teacher and bring these things up to them because your child's teacher is able to talk to them during the day, maybe when they're a little bit less tired, when they come home in the afternoon and they're able to work with you in, okay, well, these are the this is the type of language that I use at school. This is what I find helpful. Maybe you could use this at home. And they're also able to do things like help you set up a behavioral chart or like social stories. So if your child is really struggling at home and they're not really struggling at school, they're able to help you implement some of the tools they would do at school. And also... If your child is having a hard time at both, you want to be connected with your teacher. You want to work together because that's where your child is going to have the most success regardless.
0: What do you do if you feel like you're afraid that the teacher will then judge your child or bring that baggage into the classroom?
2: Well, I, then I don't, number one, I don't think you're at the right school if that's where you, if you think your child is being judgmental, if you think that your teacher is being judgmental. Or your child or you, that's not great. Um, you also need to realize that you're one of many there, and so even if you feel anxious about that judgment, the chances are that teacher has seen and heard a lot. You know, they they understand, and they're probably going to come from a loving place and want to help you and. You can talk to them about like, I don't want you to bring this up to, you know, my daughter or my son in school, or you could use it as maybe you could talk to them about making sure they put their whatever away or making sure they're doing this and your teacher can be a real asset to you. You have a daughter who's two years old, who is
0: now going to be a student at your preschool. This is like a really weird full circle thing but with you and your own mother, isn't it? It is. Like that she's, yeah. that's so
2: cool. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, no, it is. What? I, I know. I, I mean, you understand. I have a two-year-old. I don't, I I work and I have her and I have like a little bit of time for me. So like putting all these things together take brain waves I don't have right now. But yeah, that's crazy. You're right. And it's, it's lucky. I feel so lucky that I get to bring her to the places that I work and that I love so much, and obviously believe mm-hmm. in the philosophy so much. Um, she's so she like comes, she'll come with me in the morning. She'll leave with me in the afternoon, which is great. Um, and I mean, she's she's ready and she's excited.
0: Do you think that her daycare experience prepped her for preschool?
2: Yeah, she started daycare when she was six months old because I, you know, I had to go back to work. And it. I think it was helpful to her because she knows how to share the spotlight, so to speak. Like, she... Unlike her family? family. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but, like, some... I mean <laughs> believe me she is like the queen at home and totally like is the center of everyone's universe here but she know she knew at school that she couldn't she couldn't do everything she wanted right away because she had to coexist with everyone which was nice and in some I think, like, whatever works for your family is beautiful and wonderful. And sometimes that means, like, you stay home with your children. Sometimes that means you have a nanny. Sometimes that means that you have daycare. Whatever works for you is wonderful. Daycare happened to work for us. And I know that some some friends who had a nanny, their children had a harder time transitioning because they, if they wanted to grab, you know, their water or go wash their hands right away— They were able to do that without waiting at all, and it's a little bit harder when you have a a bigger class because you have to wait your turn or, you know, you have to do, you have to be a little bit more patient. And not that my child is very patient at all, but she does have a little bit of patience that I do credit to daycare, and she is able to, for the most part, share things. So... I love that. Okay. So what are you going to do with all of Mero's artwork? Um, I don't know if it's because I'm a teacher. I'm not emotionally attached to a lot of it. And I don't, I don't feel badly about it. If there are like, I have a wall, we have a wall that we put up everything. She gets to choose things that she wants to put up there, you know? And I think like, set, if you need to set a limit, like we put up two things a week or one thing a week, um, And I have a binder. Like, I get a binder, and I put in only the things that I really love. Like, if I'm going to—if she used dot-dot paints and put four dots on one page, and when I look back at this when I'm old, am I really going to get all the feels? Probably not. I know. Yeah, totally. I mean, but, like, if it brings you joy. Think of, like, the Marie Kondo thing. If it brings you joy, you hold on to it. And you put it in that little binder, or if it's too big, you snap a picture on your phone. You put that picture in your in your binder, and you keep it. But I think you need to remember, your child is going to make so much art. They're going to have so many tests and book reports and and things. Don't hold on to too much. You'll
0: you'll,
2: you'll drown you'll, in it <laughs> too much. You'll totally drown in it. <laughs>
0: so is there anything that you and Mero listen to in the car to ease the pain of the L.A. commute? I mean, it must be pretty cool to get to, like, drive to work with your kid. Although I guess I probably have a lot of listeners who would be like, no, I don't want to do that because I like to listen to my podcast in the car.
2: Well, I, I mean, there are plenty of great podcasts with, for kids, too. And, um, like, Story Pirates is wonderful. We also listen to, like, audiobooks. So I'll go. I have an Audible account, but I also will buy, like, some audiobooks off the Internet. And then, you know, she can hold the book in the back, and I'll just pop it in. And she gets to listen to it. It has, like, the, si- the sound to turn the page, which is really nice. And I also we also make playlists. Like, she has, like, a character playlist. So with Under the Sea and, like, the baby shark. And when I can stomach that, we'll listen to it. But otherwise, we have... We have, uh, like, her Mellow Mix, which is adult music that she also enjoys. So we'll play that. Uh, But my trick is, like, I always keep a snack in the car, and I always keep a few toys in the car so she can play if she needs to, and if she's hungry, give her a little something. Can you give me an example of a toy? So there's, like, a bunch of, um, like, VTech you can get some stuff uh, from Target or whatever, they'll have like little. They're not iPads, they're but they look will like look like it, and it will have a, a you know a picture of a letter A, and you press it, and it says A Apple, and then you press like B Butterfly. So that's fun for her. Um, she also has this little like keyboard thing that for long rides I'll let her bring, and she kind of sits it on her lap, and she'll play. Um, and then just like little stuffies she'll bring. And uh, we and we have like little Sesame Street characters she really enjoys holding on to. That's so sweet.
0: How did you come up with the name Mero? So
2: it is the street that my husband grew up on. And, you know, being a teacher and being in L.A., I've heard every name. And I'm... Jen, born in the 80s and he's Matt born in the 80s so there was always like four Jens and six Matts everywhere so we knew we wanted mm-hmm. something original so I, I grew up on Fulton Street and when we first got engaged my husband was like I kind of like the name Fulton if we ever have you know a son I think that'd be a really cool name and I was like no I don't like that at all but then I started thinking about oh, but Mero oh, I kind of like the name Mero, and we looked it up, and it's actually like an Irish word for a uh, like a siren or a mermaid, and I was like, I'm pretty into this. I think I think this would be a good name, and he ended up loving it, and uh, it was it was a nice we liked it. It's original, that's for sure.
0: It's beautiful, and for our listeners who listen to my birth story with Eliza. A fun little fact is that Jen and I were at the hospital giving birth to our girls the same several days. yeah, and we were both in the hospital at the same time. I
2: think like within 36 hours of each other or something. Yeah. Like I was still there. Great.
0: And now they get to be in class together, which is so sweet. And I'm excited to get to be a class mom with you.
2: I'm excited to be a class mom with you. It's great. It's really fun to get to see our kids
0: Grow up together because from the time Sabrina started this preschool till now graduating, she's so different. You see this these kids, especially your year, Jen, that you teach. Like it's such a a pivotal time in a child's life because you really get to see them emerge, you know, with a strong sense of self.
2: Yeah, it's really interesting. They when they come to us for the summer program, they're little. They're so little and, you know, like they can't necessarily put their shoes on or some of them are nervous to like go to the bathroom by themselves. And by the the following June, when they leave us, they're like self-sufficient. They're so confident. They're so ready. They've grown like a foot. And it's just, it's always so bittersweet for us because we love them and we wish we could keep them forever, but we're we watching them go off to be the people that they're going to become. You know, the whole thing about roots and wings, it's like they, I feel like, especially in our little community, they have like these roots that they get and they really just become so confident and such wonderful little people in our school and in many schools, I'm sure. And they go off in their elementary school and they have like these wings and they're, they're ready to... Take on what's coming next. It's so sweet. This
0: is a song that
1: never ends. i singing it. I don't like what it was. Have oh, one one last, I have one more one question
0: nice. for Miss Jen, okay? Can I tell Jen
1: something?
0: Yes, you can tell Jen one thing. Hang on one second. Here, put, your, put the headphones on. Can I and, sing her that song? No, she time? already heard it. She already heard it. So what would you like to say to Jen?
2: You're the best teacher in the world. I love you so much. Oh, I love you so much, Sabrina. I can't wait to, we can sing that song together tomorrow, okay? You can sit right there. Let me listen to the end of Miss Jen's answer, okay? Can I still talk to her after
0: that? No, no, because you get to be with her tomorrow. Hang on. What
2: do you need to tell her? What do you want to tell her? I love you. Okay. I love you. Can you please listen to your mom for me? Sure.
0: Great. So thank you so much to Jennifer Hunt, and thank you, Dr. Organic Mommy. Everybody, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. And join us on Instagram and Facebook and our Facebook community. We love to hear from you. Also, special thanks to our sound engineer, Owen O'Neill, our composer, Jeremy Turner, and our production assistant, Olivia Hasty. And special thanks to Mabel's Labels for doing our back-to-school giveaway on Instagram at Atomic Moms this week. Go check it out. All right, everybody, until next week, trust in your goodness, live out your greatness, rock on, Atomic Moms.